when when someone is running down a street on his jog gets roadblocked by armed men i would fight for my life if if it's true that they try to stop him multiple times and then set up a roadblock i'm like this is it like i've like he's confronting me at the corner of a car with a shotgun you better believe that i'm not going to keep on running cuz am i going to get shot in the back yeah, that's entirely right. And that whole context of being blocked in, being barricaded, right, is why people are calling it, you know, one of the reasons why people yes. call it the modern day lynching, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. something else that I learned, Lucas, also, I actually have someone, um, a friend of mine who um, uh, lived in that in that neighborhood or, or in that space or, or, or knew some folks that lived around um, the Brunswick, Georgia. And in February... He was um, in a friend group, apparently, that was passing around this video. No. And so if you lived locally, they were actually passing around the video. But here's the thing that's actually interesting. They weren't passing it around as though they were appalled by the fact that a black man was killed. It was like, oh, look, this is a funny video. No. Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show, where changemakers uncover purpose Take responsibility and own the future. I'm your host, Lucas Scrobot. And today we are talking with Brandon Polk on the Ahmad Arbery slain that happened back in February 23rd, 2020. But it took two months for it to come out in public. Brandon Polk is a longtime friend and host of the podcast Behind the Scene, a podcast that explores uh racial identity uh, prejudices and how we can break those down within American society and global society that we might be able to actually see one another for who we are, not for our skin, skin color, but for our humanity. And so today on the show with Brandon Polk, we discuss what has happened in Georgia with Ahmad slain and we really break down not just what it what happened we don't just break down the facts and the legal precedent but we're actually going we take it a step further of how do we then carry ourselves in the world what is the responsibility that you and i whether we're from the subcontinent whether we're from the middle east whether we're from georgia itself what are the things that we need to take responsibility for in our lives how do we learn and apply what happened into our everyday lives. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Brandon. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and to specifically talk about Ahmad Arbery, who, uh, if you don't know, for those of you who don't know, um, who was brutally slain two months ago um, in a killing, and we're going to get into that, but Brandon... Um, I appreciate you coming on the show today to talk about this, to give some insight and to bring it past just the political media ramifications and the hot button, hot topic story, but really want to bring it past all that um, really into a, a, a personal application and understanding of, of how we can not see this happen again and how we can not become part of this problem, how we can see ourselves um, thinking and, and interacting with people differently. So Brandon, thank you so much for being here today. 
I'm glad to be here with you. Of course, you know, it's uh, always a joy to have a conversation with you, Lucas. And these are troubling times indeed. You know, we're looking uh, at a global pandemic and learning how to live in this. It's becoming quite normal in a sense. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't keep tragic things, other tragic things from happening. And I think that this is um, part of the frustration about all of it is that, uh, you know, whether it's the suspension of healthcare during this time and other people who are suffering from um, other illnesses, not just the coronavirus, right? Um, or tensions that are being fueled in state houses or uh, in demographics across the world, likely people want to be out, they want to be free. And then you get out and you're free and you're jogging in your neighborhood and it still seems like you're not free enough. You know, it's still possible to be thought of as a burglar or as a something else other than what the powerful are. And someone makes a decision that they're responsible for making a citizen's arrest, um, holding you at gunpoint, not just one, but two. And somehow the people or the person that ends up not being alive is the one without the gun. Right. So, yeah, this is, um, I mean, this is an interesting juxtaposition right now. I think it's just pure insanity. Um, so many levels, but let's start off by running through the, the facts of the case. It happened February 23rd. Ahmad was on his weekly jog. He would always jog, daily jog probably. And someone spotted him going into a construction building. Now, apparently they said there was a rash of burglaries in the neighborhood when really only one had been reported within the last month. Someone called 911 saying, hey, we saw a guy in a in a, an abandoned construction site. Nine one one asks, "So they're breaking the entry right now?" And the person responds, "No, they're not breaking an entry. They're on a, an open construction site, but they're sure that he was seen on some grainy video from however long before." And then two cars pursue him. Three people, vigilantes, um, and now Brandon. In the state of of Georgia, it is it is legal for a citizen to make citizens arrest. Right, they're able to make citizens arrest under certain very limited conditions. Those conditions being that they witnessed a crime taking place in their immediate presence, that they're immediately aware of. And so, if the if the the two um, the father and the son, ex cop and son heard about it, but did not actually witness it saying, hey, someone's committing a crime down the street, they would not actually be able to then chase someone down on the street. They would have to have the immediate awareness of it, Um, which is this. It seems like this is where the case is going to all hang on, whether there was um, whether he was committing a crime and whether um, they did immediately witness it and it was warrant enough to make a citizen's arrest. So that's that's the first part. Then, you know, both these people call 911. They get in their car. The the ex-cop father and the son grabs a shotgun. The father grabs a pistol. They get in their pickup truck. They chase him down the road. And now they try to pull him over and say, hey, we want to talk to you, which, again, is illegal in making a citizen's arrest because there's there's no permission to question. And if you have to question someone 
that means you did not actually know that they were committing a crime. So again, there's a, another sign that this was a definitely botched citizen arrest by vigilantes that seemed to be eager to, um, you know, fulfill their their past fantasies of their police work. And then and then this is where the video comes in. If you've seen the video or if not seen the video, you know, the, the, the person behind in the second car is videoing Ahmad casually jogging down the street. He comes up to a roadblock with a pickup truck turned sideways across the road and two armed people. Ahmad tries to run around this. And he veers off to the to the right of the car to run past it, at which point the son with the shotgun comes over to essentially apprehend him. And now and then and this is where it all happens, you know, from my perspective, if I was running down the street and someone was trying to stop me with a shotgun, I would have felt that my life was in danger. I would have felt that I was being assaulted and I would have defended myself. And that's where that's exactly what he does. He goes he goes for the shotgun, which is if you're being attacked, that is what you should do. You should go for the gun, not run away. And uh, tragically, um, he, you know, three shots later in a scuffle over the gun, um, Ahmad is killed in cold blood in the middle of the afternoon being recorded. Um, now, there's there's a couple things that I want to get into on this, but. You know, is there anything that I missed? Something that 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 happened? Uh, an opinion that, opinion that you see from this narrative? What went wrong? Um, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I think that your recounting of this is really accurate, Lucas, and um, even more than I think I've even done uh, to try and understand it. I've been reeling from that video, and I actually you know, in a interesting way, started to watch it more than once sort mm -hmm. of in a, on a repeat situation, almost trying to find a way to understand, you know, how it happened, you know, and trying to understand the video itself. And, you know, I, 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 I never encourage, you know, folks to watch these things, you know, but if you are have a, a, a particular interest in just seeing it, you know, I mean, definitely, um, understand that it's it is sensitive mm -hmm. you know um for all the reasons that you indicated lucas is that um someone has to ask the question who is taping this and not moving you know who is keeping the cell phone calmly still while all of this is taking place and that's not to judge the person who's doing it. I just don't understand mm -hmm. it. I don't understand the context. I wasn't there. So that's one thing. The other thing that I think is really important um, is the point that you made about um, this particular law. And people need to be in the presence of the crime being committed. Now, this is strangely similar to... Um, and maybe your listeners will remember the Trayvon Martin case that yep. was so which happened so eight years ago this many month. years ago eight years ago right isn't that interesting you know and George Zimmerman you know also felt justified in what he thought was um, uh, allowed under the stand your ground law there 
to pursue a young man that he believed was not where he should be in a neighborhood that he should not be in under the guise of there have been a lot of robberies or break-ins or crime in this neighborhood, right? So that's the yes. story. So, so there's what, some, some, what, what I don't, mm-hmm. some noted differences, though, Go in ahead. the cases. One, in, in the Trayvon Martin case, there were actually a large number of break-ins that were happening. Um, in my, my recent research, you know, refreshing on that case, um, some other notable differences he did not Zimmerman did not set up a roadblock with multiple armed men to gun him down. He was following behind him. Trayvon Martin turned on him and began to attack him. And the third thing there, they tried to make a really large argument that this was a total racist crime eight years ago when when really he was Hispanic. The, the media tried to label him as a white Hispanic. Um, so even then, the the race, the race issues there seem very different, even though there's some striking simula- similarities um, that and especially the coupling of the two laws, the one of the citizen's arrest and the second law that it's being coupled with, again, in this case, in their defense, is that, well, once once Ahmad went for the gun, now um, now he's being attacked, that the 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 son is being attacked. And now it is in his self-defense, which to me definitely seems absurd. Yeah, I completely agree. And my point on that as well is like, you know, your your statement, you know, is this whole thing going to hinge on um, what what the crime was? You know, was there a crime um, uh, or was there probable cause? Mm-hmm. And what is what does probable cause how does probable cause play into um you know what these two men were were thinking why is that important because if the case um you know when it does go to trial hinges on this and mind you that these two gentlemen the father and son the father who's an ex-cop travis and and greg mm -hmm, um if uh, they were uh, charged with murder and aggravated assault um, there will be an arraignment. There will be uh, likely bond um, that will be posted for them. Um, they'll be free, you know, with some monitoring, likely unless they can't make bail for some reason. Um, it'll probably take several months, you know, prior to the trial date, mm-hmm. um, uh, unless they decide to expedite it, which they may because of the high profile nature of all this. Um, but if that is what and I'm not a lawyer, but if, if, if that is what it hinges on is the inciting incident, right? Yes. For this. Was there an inciting incident? Um, uh, you know, will it be enough to acquit? <laughs> and as it so happens with, with, with so many of these cases, acquittal <laughs> tends to be more likely, right? Just because of the nature yeah. of what happened and who it was um, uh, and how it's being defined, right? All, all you have to do is cast a shadow of doubt. That's all the defense has to do. You know, you have to be innocent or proven guilty, right? Beyond a shadow of yes. doubt. That is the burden of proof. And there, are, that's a lot of what, you know, a, a lot of the general public doesn't understand here in the West is that there's still a legal burden, but that burden is is on the prosecution to prove this 
you know, beyond a shadow of doubt. And the defense has less of a job there, you know, like, like, like they, they could easily cast dispersions, you know, on Ahmad, right. If they wanted to dig into his life, you know, dig into his family, that's definitely going to happen and find, you know, where he was arrested for pot, maybe, I don't know, whatever it was, or where he didn't make a straight A when he was in yeah. school or whatever it he is, has, you know? He has a couple things far back on his record. One, taking a handgun five years ago, being caught with a handgun to, at a high school basketball game, I believe, and then uh, shoplifting, uh, maybe in 2018, I believe. So he has a couple really minor things on his record, which really should have no preview on what happened when he is jogging down the street. Zero preview what's happening while he is jogging down the street and so to to your point about them being acquitted they're again you know was it is it hinging on is this a false imprisonment did they are they trying to kidnap him because they can't legally arrest him in this case and which seems that the prosecution might be able to argue that well based on the fact that they are trying to ask him questions they're not just following from a safe distance until the police show up they're trying to stop him and ask him questions, that would appear to me that that is false imprisonment. And so you're now uh, um, committing assault and battery while committing a felony and then ending up in what could be considered accidental death, which is um, first degree murder, I believe, rather than um, getting a possible manslaughter if if it's proven that it that it it wasn't that it was a, a legal stop. But I don't think you can, in my opinion, I don't think you can if they're trying to prove that he was attacked and he was standing his ground. Um, and so a, another very infuriating thing about this case, which I think is the, the real reason that people are talking about it, is because it sat for two months. The, the recording was out. The police had the recording for two months until this weekend when it went, you know, vastly into the public and the public demanded an arrest. And so the the father used to work for the police. And it seems that because of that, that there are multiple people, including the district attorney, George, George Barnell, who recused himself from the case, saying that he had too much personal involvement. But he writes this letter, George Barnell, the district attorney of the Waycross Judicial Circuit, writes this letter essentially saying that Arbery attacked uh, attacked Travis, I believe the son, attacked the son. And because of that, there was not enough evidence. There's not enough of a case to um, to to try them, which to me, it seems like rather than it being as on the police side, rather than it being more of a racial thing, it seems more that they're trying to protect their friends. Yeah, it, it, that could very well be the case. And, you know, what I don't know is who released this video. Um, and it's spliced, right? The media releases it. You know, I don't know what happened leading up. Like there are certain parts of the video that I don't know. I don't know what happened pre-video. I don't know what happened after the video yes. cuts off, right? And um, so that leaves me. That's I'm always I'm always really really cautious about wading into a lot of the details. Um, you know about um, you know was he attacked? Wasn't he? But but what I can tell you 
is that if I had two guns or shotguns pointed in, in my face, yes. I don't know how I would, how I'd be reacting fight or flight. Like, I don't know. And the reality is that there's so many different options, right? For these two men, for these white men, um, even if you were attempting to perform a citizen's arrest, you could have followed, you could have waited, you could have kept driving. Yeah. Once, if you realize, if you thought that this person was resisting, Absolutely. you could have just gone to the police, given a description, right? And let that be it. Especially if he was just running, he wasn't running fiercely like he was running from someone or running to someone. He's not carrying, you know, a big television or something out of someone's house. You know, if he's burglaring something, you know, like, you know, what, what is going on here is, is that there's an, there's a bias. It's fueling a yes. decision-making framework yes. in a certain way. Yes. And then it's fueling the sense, the psychological sense of we must exercise our power, power that has been given to us by the state, right? We, um, in their minds so that we can hold this person up. Here's, here's like another thing that let's just say they get into a tussle with the shotgun. Have you ever heard of a safety? <sighs> Have you ever heard of like keeping a safe distance away? But then, so that's one thing, keep a safe distance away from someone that you feel like is dangerous, right? If you're so concerned about whether or not, I mean, who, 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 who's the real oppressor here? Absolutely. Who is the real, who is the real aggressor, right? Absolutely. Like you were the ones with the, with, you set with up a the roadblock. shotguns, with the bullets. Right. It's, it's, it's insane when you think about how many different steps and decisions could have been made and sort of blame it on the adrenaline. How about I actually call it what it is or what it may be, right? What is more likely is that these people, their relationship to power and looking at someone that they thought they could um, make more subordinate to them yeah. by putting a shotgun in their face, resisted in some capacity, verbally right. or didn't stop when right. they told him to. Right. And they Rightly became so. right incendiary, right? And just said, I am you better stop, right? Because we have the shotguns. And when he resisted exercising Ahmad, his civil liberties, he has the right to Absolutely. move freely. He has the right to pursue happiness. He has the right to go on a jog in this neighborhood. Right? Not and, enough. And he has the right to defend himself. And what what really what really and, got me and that. reading George Barnhill's the district attorney's report, it was saying, well, we don't know, and it's true, we don't know whether whether uh I believe the son's name's Travis. Is that correct? Whether Travis pulled, I think so, yeah. Pulled the trigger or whether Arbery, quote unquote, Arbery would have only had to pull the shotgun approximately one sixteenth of an inch to one eighth of an inch to fire the weapon himself at the height of the altercation, which to me, I mean, that is like the ultimate passing the buck. Well, he killed himself, which that to me yeah. is infuriating when, when someone is running down a street on his jog, gets roadblocked by armed men, I would fight for my life. If, if it's true that they try to stop him multiple times and then set up a roadblock, I'm like, this is it. Like I've like, he's confronting me at the corner of a car with a shotgun. You better believe that I'm not going to keep on running. Cause am I going to get shot in the back? Yeah, that's entirely right. And that whole context of being blocked in being barricaded, right. Is why people are calling it 
you know, one of the reasons why people yes. call it the modern day lynching, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. something else that I learned, Lucas, also, I actually have someone, um, a friend of mine who um, uh, lived in that in that neighborhood or, or in that space or, or, or knew some folks that lived around um, the Brunswick, Georgia. And in February, he was um, in a friend group, apparently, that was passing around this video. No. And so if you lived locally, they were actually passing around the video. But here's the thing that's actually interesting. They weren't passing it around as though they were appalled by the fact that a black man was killed. It was like, oh, look, this is a funny video. No. Yeah. I mean, I literally just like discovered this last night, you know, um, talking to um, when I was hanging out some friends locally here in Washington that are from Georgia. And they said that this is exactly this is what happened. They're actually embedded in that neighborhood down there. And I thought that was so it was being passed one, around under the guise of this is a funny video. Ha ha. Look what happened. Ha ha. Look what happened. But they likely didn't understand what was going on. They understood what was happening. They understood that it was a, a white man and with holding a gun and a black man being shot. They understood that. And some somehow they didn't make the connection. Right. I mean, you have to it's, it's crazy, right? You can't even like fathom it. Right. It's absolutely ridiculous that that's even that I'm even telling you this. I'm not pacifying. it. I'm not like giving them an excuse. I'm literally just trying to describe yeah. it, that they didn't it didn't click for them that they were watching a video of a, of a murder and should have been alarmed by it. I, I mean, I'm speechless right now. I, I do not have any response. It is beyond me to think that someone, that a group of people could pass around a video, um, whether they knew it was connection to this specific incident or not. And not be appalled by watching someone someone die in front of them watching someone being yeah. roadblocked by two men one on the you know it's not just two men inside of the car it is you know a big guy with a pistol on top and the back of a pickup truck which as you said that sounds a lot like a lynching to me yeah um and Mind you, this is also one of the reasons probably how the video got leaked is that they, were, they weren't passing it around like two weeks ago. The video was being passed around in February when the murder happened. Yeah. I mean, in the March, police had right? access to it. And so imagine, yeah, it's, 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 it's actually like very insane um, to think that something could be, could be passed around locally and still have secret shame attached to it that people don't post it on social media. They just keep it within their community. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're starting to see, I love how appalled you are because I'm like, cause you have to think about what's going on in a particular community that's helping to fuel what actually ends up happening. Right. That gives these two guys this sense of justification and what they're doing. Right. The fact that the video, I mean, that, that that's a manifestation, the fact that the video exists, right, you know, and people are passing it around is a manifestation of a, of a permission, right, that's going on in that particular part of the country, of our country here, um, where these thoughts and these behaviors um, have likely been going on for a very long time, 
people are probably being called niggers and whatever else, you know, and, and, and doing it in open public and, you know, or whatever else. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm creating a story in my mind about it, you know, about and trying, trying to make sense of, of, of what could allow for such a, a, a social permission, right. For dehumanizing other people, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, you know, I've, I was reading that, you know, the, the father and son would be seen around in public laughing, having a great time. Um, and so it seems like it was something that was not, I don't want to say socially celebrated. I don't have, I, I don't, I can't speak into what was actually happening, but just it, it, from what I have read, it gives us um, the impression that this was by some in the community you know, saying, well, they were well within their rights, you know, clearly by this, the statement from the district attorney saying like they were within their rights. It was a tragic turn of events, but based on these number of, of, of laws, they didn't break the law. Um, and, and so there's been criticism. The, the, the biggest criticism that has happened is, is that they were not arrested sooner. And it took this massive public outcry. People then pointing the finger to the police saying, well, this is the police's fault. See, the police are corrupt. The police are covering it up. But I, I read a statement from the police and I, I think it holds water, which was we were going to arrest them. And then we got called by the district attorney to say, there's no one to prosecute these guys. We don't have enough to prosecute them. We're not going to prosecute them. Don't arrest them. And so, so they were saying we were going to make the arrest, but how can we make a, an arrest when we have no one to prosecute? Yeah. Um, I don't trust anybody. I don't, I don't trust what they say and I don't trust the DA either. Well, I don't um, trust the DA. That's everyone, for sure. Because it, yeah, definitely don't trust the DA. I mean, they've had three like recruitals on this whole thing, but I don't trust law enforcement either. I mean, like, it's not that I, and, and I mean that not holistically, I, I like generally speaking, I trust law enforcement, but these folks are incentivized to lie right now because of the media attention. Right. right. So telling me that you were going to make the arrest, but there's no arrest <laughs> doesn't put you in a principal position. Right. True. So just because the DA tells you don't do it, doesn't mean that you don't do it. You know what the laws are. That's your job. Your job is to know the law as law enforcement. It's not only the DA, you go to another DA, you go to another ADA. Right. But you that just didn't happen. One, they just one. let it sit. Yeah. They just, you know, it was just like, okay, sure. Let's just take it what it is, you know. But, and I believe that there's likely, I mean, of course, there's a power dynamic there, you know, between the DA's office and what goes on, you know, and the actual policing, you know, of communities, right? But exactly what, 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 what report was going to get filed when an autopsy is done, you know, about how this person passes away? how they're gunned down in the, in the street and someone just says, don't make an arrest. They don't actually pursue justice. Then they just let it be out here in the wind with no one addressing it. No one talking about it. No comfort to the family, right? From the DA's office to the community, there's no interaction there, right? It's grossly irresponsible damages, um, puts back community policing, um, community relations with, with law enforcement decades. Again, 
<laughs> you know? It's, so, it's not just, it's not even a, a miscarriage of justice. It is just the blatant ignorance of justice. It's a, the basic, ignorance. I mean, it is, it seems to, to you and I and to most of the world blatant that Ahmad was acting in self-defense. Blatant, like blatantly railroaded, blatantly roadblocked on his jog, even if he was, even if he was breaking and entering, even if he was. Still, like, I mean, I've gone into abandoned, uh, you know, work sites. Does that mean that as I leave the premises on my my afternoon jog, it's not even an evening jog, on my afternoon jog that I could get gunned down? That there's legal precedent for that? Absolutely not. Even if he was in breaking and entering, I cannot see any reason why these guys shouldn't have been arrested within days of the occurrence. Right. And here again, this gets you to a, a, a ton of other options, right? This, if, if we go back not too long ago, Ferguson, Missouri, Michael Brown. Yep. You know, um, also similarities here. Um, there are a lot of options, you know, for real law, for real law enforcement, you know, to use a taser, not a gun. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's just say, you know, that why aren't you they are using tasers in some way? Yeah. Why, why are, why are we using bullets when you know that bullets are lethal, you know, and <laughs> such a waste of life again, on. Yeah. On principle, right. If you cared about not murdering someone, right. Then you would take precautions, right. To not murder someone, to not harm someone. If you don't murder them. Right. I mean, are, are these guys just itching to make someone bleed regardless of their skin color, maybe, but definitely in some way, not regarding skin color at all. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the, I mean, if this happened to any one of their relatives, right. Then there would be a, you know, they would be up in arms and we would, we would hear about it. You know, that black so-and-so, you know, killed my, you know, niece Susie or whatever it was. And, and this is what, yeah, they did. If the situation were reversed, right? You know, th- there would be a far cry here. You know, and you would see this this black man's face, po- you know, all over the the news media, right? And it would have happened right away. There would have been a community outcry. All of it. The community cried out. And nobody listened. <laughs> right. The community is shouting now. Doing demonstrations, run with a mod, all all these things. And now we get an arrest, right? Not because, at least not yet, we don't know, because there's an interest in actually bringing justice to the case. It seems more like it's an interest of not we've got, being late, not being, not losing your own job, not being indicted yourself. That's it. We have to protect now the reputation of the DA's office. Now we have to cover up the blood or now we've covered it up enough. We have to address this now um, because the community is going to be up in arms and then that's going to impact politics. And that's going to, I mean, sure enough, they likely heard from governor Kemp, get this together, figure this out, you know, or they heard from the white house, heard from DOJ, heard from the FBI, whatever, and said, which what's going on? Because we're not about to have another Ferguson, Missouri, 
you know, we're just not going to do it. We're not about to have another Charlottesville. You know, figure out what it is that's going on in your community. It's your responsibility. Now it's now it's in President whomever or Director whom whomever's box. You know, when they're reading their emails and getting their briefings. You know, now it's a national issue, right? So there's pressure coming in from the top. I'm okay yeah. with that, but it shouldn't have had to come to that. It shouldn't have had to come to that, and it seemed like. You know, they were saving their friends' butts, but now that their butt's on the line, well, they, they're they going to save themselves. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yep. But, uh, yeah. you know, Travis and Greg. Sorry. And we, <laughs> we love you, but we, you know, you yeah. got to understand the position that we're in now. Yeah. And and I think that here's here's what I really want, want people to understand, right? Like, let's just say this is racially motivated. Um, let's put that to the left for just a second, just put it to the side for one second. And let's just look at people in power, law, law enforcement, um, attorneys, judges, um, in like investigators, whoever it is, right. Um, not just at the local level now, but, and I won't get too much into this, but now we're, recognizing that we've got a stink that goes all the way up through the FBI in this country, right? And corruption and um, malfeasance, I mean, all of it is so deeply ingrained and perpetuated, proliferated, um, encouraged through silence that some people can get away with fill in the blank murder. You know, I watched this television show. I don't know if you know this show or not, but, um, how to get away with murder, Mm. which actually stars a black woman, Viola Davis. And it's really an interesting thing that they're in. It's been six seasons. The season finale is next week. And of course I'm really excited, you know? Um, but the uh, main character is a black woman and, uh, it's all, and she's a defense attorney. And basically she's like trying to like get out of all of these murders, you know, that she never commits, but that her students end up committing (laughs) (laughs) and she's helping them, but she ends up getting blamed. This is what the entire last season is about. It's about her defending herself as a black woman, that she actually isn't responsible for the murders of all these people, (laughs) you know? And, um, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that the entire premise is a black woman trying to defend, um, trying to help herself get away with something she didn't do. And yet in real life, we have no problem. <laughs> People that shouldn't be able to get away, <laughs> you know, from stuff that they're doing are getting away with what they do all the time. And it's, it's completely ironic. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's just a really sad reality that, you know, we, we have to begin to take responsibility for as community members, as laity, you know, and um, we don't have to be jaded. We can be healthy skeptics. And that's arguably what Ahmad was going through. He's like, I don't need to trust these people. Why am I going to trust them? If, if, if you tell me you pull up and you're, you know, whatever, um, and block me off in the street, and just say, hey, come over here, boy. You know, 
Is no that way. a non-threatening? It's not a non-threatening scenario, no right? Way. You know, so yeah, it's really sad. Anyway, it's not anyway, but you know, I, but, I say that almost exasperated and not resigned, but exasperated. Not anyway. Let's move on, but just. I mean, to, to your point that it's in some ways, not in some ways, but it is um, still it's it's more evident and more it's it's exposing some of the corruption that is that it's not just at the local level, but it's widespread, not just through American society, but society, global society, um, even in, in New York City right now, most people who are being arrested for not social distancing um they're minorities which it seems like um well one i i think it's i think there's definitely a constitutional overstep that's being taken that's taking place um and and two it's like well why why is it that the minorities are being targeted in this so it does seem like there there is a level of prejudice that is blatant and is and is existing but at the same time, it seems like people are trying to extrapolate that to every individual and to extrapolate that into, um, you know, even the way that I read media here or people talk about it. It's just that, well, this is only America's problem and we are free. Our hands are washed. Our, you know, the left is like our hands are clean, but it's only this side. Um and and that also, you know, like LeBron James tweeted, we're we're hunted in the streets every day. Okay, that isn't ex- exactly true. There it was a time, there was a time where African Americans were literally hunted in the streets every day. Literally hunted. Absolutely, but that is not today. So to try to extrapolate and, and make this correlation to say that we haven't progressed at all. It seems and and pointing the finger at everyone who is not a minority, I think is is a gross um, it's just a, a, an untrue. It's just categorically untrue, especially when you look at other minorities such as the Irish and the Polish throughout American history. One of the biggest lynchings in America was against Irish people. And so I, I think. I think that the the question that I want to get to and what I want to continue to discuss um, moving forward is that it's not just racial prejudice against African American, though that is extremely pre- uh, prevalent in America, but it is it is prejudice against other tribes, other sects, other um, other races that are different than us that are not just present present in America, but it's actually a global issue that that we face and that we're we're seeing happen everywhere, not just in America. We are out of time for hour one of the show with Brandon Polk, but stay tuned for hour two where Brandon continues to break down how being a keyboard warrior in situations like this uh, uh, concerning whether it's racism in America, the the lockdown in Kashmir, the the Uyghur people in China, and and the Gulag camps that are going on there, that it's not just enough to be a keyboard warrior, but there is a specific step that we need to take beyond that. Otherwise, we are still part of the problem, believing that well, I'm good, I don't have these issues, I'm not like those people, 
those people are evil, I'm not, when that isn't true. And so stay tuned for hour two where Brandon unpacks the applications of everything that we've been talking about in this first hour of the Lucas Grobot Show. And after that, I will be giving some of uh, my commentary, my thoughts on this episode with Brandon Polk, followed by a segment, Weaver and Loon segment, uh, where we glean from ancient wisdom of how that affects and can be applied to our everyday life. I'm Lucas Grobot. This is Lucas Grobot Show. You are a change maker if you stand up and take responsibility. I'll see you over there at the second hour of the episode.